You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Pork Shoulder. We just ate a shit ton of ham, Yeah, folks. we did. <laughs> it was good. Happy Labor Day. <laughs> You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood and we drop kick them in the face. <laughs> Holy shit, it gets more violent each time. It's, I mean, everybody knows what they're here for at this point. <laughs> okay, all right. 11th episode. 11th episode, Crazy, and uh, one that's kind of near and dear to my heart. We've done this thing where last week we saw a movie that I hadn't seen. I know, I know what you did last summer. Check us out on iTunes. And uh, this week that I've seen that you haven't. That's right. 1993's fantasy family comedy, Rookie of the Year. Fantasy family comedy. Yeah, I stress the fantasy part because this is wholly unbelievable. So... Uh, <laughs> For people who don't know, Rookie of the Year is a movie about a young child, about 12 years old, uh, who ends up pitching for the Chicago Cubs. Ridiculous, you say? Impossible? Well, I'll tell you, sir. All of those things. It's all of those things. Yeah, nothing This movie else. makes no sense. <laughs> but tell us uh, why it was so near and dear to your heart, Zach. Well, so I am, uh, if you haven't heard, I'm a big sports guy. Right. Uh, I played, okay, deal with it. <laughs> played baseball for about 18 years, so this was a movie that really kind of stuck with me as a kid because it was uh you know it was a dream that i think every kid playing baseball has maybe one day they get called up even though they're terrible and they are playing little league did the film hardball with keanu reeves stick with you as well no the opposite even are you kidding me that's a good movie dude it's i a- haven't seen it in a while so it's one to revisit uh, <laughs> but yeah we spoke about this earlier. Uh, some of the baseball films that I grew up with were like Angels in the Outfield and The Sandlot, which was released actually the exact same year as this. Yeah, and so you grew up with a lot of the movies uh, that kind of came out the same time and were geared towards the same audience. And we were talking about some of the baseball movies I grew up with were like Bull Durham and Major yep. League that are way more for adults than they are for kids. Yeah, The Natural, Bad News Bears yeah. was also a good one too. But I mean, there was such like this big court uh, of sort of surgence in the 1980s to mid 90s of these baseball films because I there was just something about baseball in that time period where it was just being very heavily romanticized in film. Dude, it's as wholesome as American Pie and I, I mention that because the lead in this, Thomas Ian Nicholas, I believe 12 years old at the time of this Wow, man, in just six years, he'd go from uh, having no teeth, smiling like an asshole, uh, to going down on Tara Reid in American Pie. Hooray. I was going to say congratulations, question mark. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, this kid, he went on to have kind of a decent career, I guess. He did a kid in King Arthur's Court, Mm -hmm. a few of those type of movies back in the 90s, and then went on, of course, to do American Pie 1 and 2 and Wedding and Reunion and Halloween Resurrection with Buster Rhymes. The best one. (laughs) Of course. Um... But yeah, I had never seen this movie. I had actually never heard of this movie. Um, but I will tell you that the tagline here reads, The Chicago Cubs needed a miracle. They got Henry Rowan Gartner. <laughs> God damn it. Get used to that name because they say it a hundred times in this movie. And many times they say it incorrectly. Rowan Blouser. Gardenhoser. <laughs> Rosenberger. God damn it. We'll get into that later. But, um, and I think it's important that we know a little bit of background about uh, this movie too. It's kind of the same. Um, Major League kind of had the same concept where historically, especially around this time, uh, the Chicago Cubs had not won a World Series at that point in I think ninety eight years. They were coming on a hundred years 
easily the longest stretch for an old franchise like that to not win the World Series. And the fan base was rightfully pretty downtrodden about their Chicago Cubs. And it's actually interesting because uh, the Cleveland Indians, who are the main focus in Major League, Hmm. have the same kind of issues where they're on a very long uh, World Series drought. And they were the teams that were in the World Series last year, the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians. And the Cubs ended up winning the World Series, breaking the longest uh, drought in Major League history. Do you remember the movie Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore? The same thing with the Red yeah, Sox because the they Red won Sox, that yeah. year too. They yeah. actually used the footage of yeah. the Red Sox winning the World Series. I feel like they were making that movie and that they were just like, ah, crap, they won. <laughs> <And then> like, <laughs> yeah, they must have they a rewrite like, or some throw shit. It yeah. in. So Rookie of the Year has a 5.9 on IMDb and a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not, not terrible. Better but, than I thought. I was going to say better than I thought and better than um, the movie deserves. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Again, I'm going to try and judge this a little differently because trying to, trying to look at it a little less harsh because this is really a children's film yeah. through and through. Like Out of all the films we've done so far, this one's definitely geared more toward children. And for my part, I'm going to look at it a little bit more objectively because I was telling you before we started recording, this might be a movie that my nostalgia takes over because I loved this movie yeah. when I was younger. Not so much when we were watching it the other day. <laughs> but um, I will try very hard not to think of my childhood. I will look at this objectively as a film. So it was made on a budget of $10 bucks. It made $53 million in the box office that year. 1993 placed 22nd in the year. And, you know, it's crazy when you think of what this movie cost, considering some of the names in this movie that they don't even really bring up when this movie takes... You know, when this movie is brought up, Gary Busey's in this movie, John Candy's in this movie, uh, and of course... Oh my god, I have to get in this, because this is the one and only film directed by one Daniel Stern, a.k.a. Marv, one of the wet bandits from Home Alone. Yep. That blew my goddamn mind. The only movie that he's... Did you know this before we watched it? No, this blew my... I saw Directed by Daniel Stern. I immediately had to look up on my phone, like, has he had other films he's made? This this is crazy. And of course, no. This is the one and only movie he did. He started and ended with Rookie of the Year. It's such a weird, just like, oh, Daniel Stern directed this movie. Like, he must have just loved baseball. He's like, I'm going to direct a baseball movie. I guess. I mean, it's small enough budget that they were able to get him in. Like, I'm whatever. (laughs) He's also in this as well. I wonder if he funded it. Close to insufferable. Yeah. Um, So let's just go ahead and jump into it. So we start off, uh, it's this opening montage, this title sequence. It's the Chicago Cubs, Wrigley Field on opening day. And I am convinced these people have no idea they're being recorded. Yeah, my guess is that they just took a camera into Wrigley Field and just got crowd shots because it, it does look exactly like what operations would look like on opening day. Yeah. Fans probably weren't even thinking about it. They probably just strolled into a game and then were filming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're introduced to John Candy, who plays the on-air sports radio broadcaster with the play-by-play and whatnot. Yep. And uh, I'm convinced he did all of his scenes in one day, because if you notice his face in the beginning, it's very clean-shaven. He's very up and at him. And then later on throughout the movie, he's only in it about probably four or five scenes. They keep cutting back to him. It's always in the exact same location. And at this point, he's got like a five o'clock shadow growing. Yep. I'm convinced that it was just early in the day they shot that part and later on in the day he was he well was even i mean even if you put all of his scenes side by side like it starts very bright and early on opening day and then the last scene that he's in is nighttime which is the dude. last game so i'm pretty sure they absolutely filmed all of his We've scenes got him day. one day <laughs> get candy up here yeah john candy is doing this as a favor for daniel stern <laughs> 
So uh, it's opening day, obviously, and John Candy here really, he doesn't have like a lot of good lines in this movie. He's not like really used to his full John Candy potential, but what he does provide in this scene is kind of the background that we just brought up to you, that the Cubs haven't won a pennant in a long time, and they haven't won a World Series in almost 100 years. And uh, first pitch of the game, someone hits a home run into the stands and transition to 12-year-old Henry Rowan Gardner. So he's running around with his friends, and his mom <laughs> his mom tosses him this thing as sunblock, and this is to introduce how inept and terrible this kid is. It's just catching things, just not even baseball. We'll, we'll leave baseball out of the equation. Just how hopeless this kid it is. sails over his head. He, like, <laughs> barely even gives it a try. He's pointless. So we, we're transported to this Little League baseball match, this game yep. where our boy Rowan Gardner's out there in blue jeans. Yep. He's the only player on the entire field in blue jeans, just in case everybody else is in baseball pants. They make pants specifically for this purpose. <laughs> and he's in blue jeans, but he's wearing the rest of the uniform, um, and he's not playing initially, and then they finally do put him in. The whole point is that Henry is so hopeless that even short on players, they wouldn't put him in. But finally, they put him in right field. So a fly ball uh, gets out gets hit out to him he runs into the fence and then as he's running into the fence this oversized 90s hat that he's wearing goes over his head so he's looking for the ball he's grasping at it like velma and scooby-doo where are my glasses it's ridiculous he, he grabs falls in slow motion yep. too yep he grabs the ball and then does three spins spins around and then just hucks the ball over the wall do you know in like infomercials when it's like are you tired of your your drawers being too full? And it's the person like like hopelessly fumbling with all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Tupperware shit. Just like that. It's like someone was like, "I want you to act like that as if you have no idea how to play baseball or throw a ball." And it's him just like like no human behaves this way. No, I mean even if you've never played baseball before, just a simple <laughs> understanding of what to do, you would not be doing what he's doing in this scene. So yeah, he makes a complete ass of himself, throws the ball over the wall. And Is that even? legal dude <laughs> yeah his, his buddies have some key beautiful lines of 90s dialogue uh one of which is is the next scene here where they're all seated around the 90s middle school bra spiky hair and plaid t-shirts everywhere um so they're sitting at this table and we're introduced to uh henry's crush becky fracker yes who is played i can't i don't know her name but she's played by the woman who plays uh the female goalie in Mighty Ducks 2. And you say woman, a woman, uh, she, she's a young girl. She's like 12 or 13, right? And we say that because some of the lines of dialogue that come out from uh, Henry's friends a, a little a little lascivious. A little, a little raunchy. We were talking about how this movie is probably the most family-oriented movie we've watched yeah, since we sure. started this podcast. But you wouldn't know it from this scene. Yeah. It, read some of the lines. You have them written down there. Yeah, some of these lines are she's stacked. Look at her sip that milk. Milk's done that body good. <laughs> this is a 12-year-old girl they're talking about. And these are 12-year-old boys. So, much like being helpless at baseball, he's also just hopeless at interacting with people. Like, she's trying to carry on a conversation. He's, he doesn't like... Hey! <laughs> he just can't pick up on social cues or anything. Yeah, it's... He's it, the whole point is that he's just a klutz. He's useless. Uh, he's an awkward person. But he's optimistic and he's got a good heart. Yeah, he's got a good heart and a he winning loves, smile. He loves with the one game. Missing tooth. Yeah, and he loves baseball. That's all you need to be is American, 
as wholesome as baseball. And before we get too far into this next very crucial plot point, I just want to cover some characters that we skipped over. Uh, Henry's mom is a very loving mom, very supportive, um, but she also treats her son like an adult. You know, she's she, a no nonsense. She's mom, a bro. no nonsense mom, but she's a loving mom. She's an open the door, be home after dark type of mom. You know exactly. what I mean? She's not too controlling. Exactly. Um, but we're also introduced to her boyfriend, and I don't think I have his name on me right now. You shouldn't, now. because he's a greasy chode dude, and yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to look chode. at this guy's face anymore. He just upset me. He upset me from the word go. Yeah. Um, so, but and it, Henry knows it. Apparently, his mom's the only person who doesn't realize what a terrible guy this person is. He's, he doesn't start off too much like a slimy dick bag, but as it continues, you he's can just tell he's it. just yeah, kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah, he's just kind of creepy. He owns this stupid car. So let's get into this inciting incident. What sets the rest of this movie in motion? Oh boy! So they're leaving school. Him and his buddies, and uh, there's this bully who I'm assuming is on his team. Right? He's a teammate. Yeah, he must have experienced Henry's terrible performance. Yeah. So he goes, "Hey, Rowan Gardner, catch!" And he hits a baseball at Henry. And Henry, seeing that Becky is watching... Oh, yeah, he doesn't want to fuck up in yeah. front of Becky, dude. By the way, this is happening in the span of, like, 30 seconds. How long does it take to knock a ball and just let that ball... 10 seconds. I'd give it 10 seconds, yeah, but the, 10 this seconds thing stretches out for a minute and a half of slow motion, him looking in all directions and running, and it's, it's yeah. foolish. Um, but so he decides, all right, got to go catch the ball. So he's running towards where he thinks the ball is going to be, and... There's just this beautiful rack focus of a baseball on the ground and Henry running towards the baseball. And you think, oh, no, dude, he's running straight at that ball. He's going to slip on that baseball. <laughs> no, dude. no. But but as a modern, like, savvy moviegoer, you're like, there's no possible way that they would telegraph this this, this much. It's too easy. It's too easy. That, that That's impossible. There's no way that they'd actually go through with it. But they do. He does. He slips on the baseball. And uh, he he falls for maybe 15 seconds, and it is the most cartoonish fall ever. He goes, like, six feet in the air. Yeah, it's just like arms and legs, him. like, flailing. Yeah. yeah, like, I'm thinking of, like, a scene where someone gets thrown off a building or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is just over the top. And so he ends up landing on, I believe, his shoulder. Yep, dude. He's got some rotator cartilage damage. Goes yes. to the doctors and uh, winds up getting this, you know, comically placed cast yes the cast is put in a way so that his arm rather than every cast that i've ever seen in my entire life for any sort of shoulder or arm injury it's laid to rest because that's you know you're supposed to do it instead the doctor puts it in this l shape above his head so it always looks like he's waving to people yeah he's waving or like raising his hand and right on cue there's this wonderful montage of you know him walking by people and then being like, "Hi, Henry." Hi, Henry. Yeah, bye, Henry. School is and tough. And everybody raises their hand in class, and then they put it down, and Henry still got his up. Wah, wah. Which, by <laughs> the way, if this is supposed to be going on through all of summer, why are they in school? Oh, it makes no sense. Yeah, the timing. It's of- supposed to go through August. They wouldn't be in school. No. No. I, it's confusing. We just blew the whole lid open on Rookie of the Year. I'm calling hijinks on Rookie of the Year. Um, <laughs> So it's time for the cast to come off, and uh, apparently, uh, we talked about some some weird physics things, and this is where it gets into just just outright blasphemy. The, the doctor tells him that his tendons have fused to his humerus bone, okay? And 
We're led to believe that this is created some sort of super strong man arm? Is that what I'm getting at? Well, so he's stretching out his arm in the doctor's office, and then he tells him to bend it backwards like he's throwing a baseball. And then Henry's arm comes forward and slaps the hell out of the doctor after some, like, stretchy noises. It goes, yeah, like an elastic band. And then, like, a catapult just, like, yeah. and, like, smacks the doctor in the nose. He delivers maybe the greatest line ever in cinema history. Funky butt-loving! Did he just say funky butt-loving? <laughs> oh, he did, and I'm angry. He did, <laughs> And that was a trailer line. Yep. They build that so hard. They're like, oh, funky butt love. And that's the kind of stuff you can expect in this movie. <laughs> um, so the doctor, without looking into the fact that this child is now a superhuman freak, uh, just dismisses him. He's like, all right, come back in three weeks. Um, so uh, Henry's mom gives them free Cubs tickets for getting the cast off. And we're introduced to uh, my favorite player and yours, Chet Stedman, played by Gary Busey. Oh, man, that thick, blonde mustache, just whispering like a caterpillar above his ear. It's this... Lip, rather. (laughs) It's this quintessential uh, 80s, 90s look that a lot of pitchers back in Major League Baseball had uh, during that time era, so I get why they did it. But, I mean, if you just think of all the aspects of this character, his name is Chet Stedman. His nickname is The Rocket, and he is rocking this crazy porn stash. He's a porn star, He's a porn star, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And what's crazy here is watching Gary Busey, the most subdued, I would say, in his entire career. Oh, yeah, he's, he's playing n- a normal human being person. <laughs> I would say for his first, like, six scenes, he does nothing but grunt. He doesn't have a line. Yeah. He just... Not enough Not enough wild, manic teeth gnarling. I didn't get enough of that, but Gary Busey's a likable presence on film, in my opinion. The whole idea behind Chet Stedman is that he used to be one of the best pitchers in the league. Now he's had rotator cuff surgery or Tommy John surgery, and he's worried about blowing out his arm if he throws too hard, so he's lost a lot of his heat, and he keeps getting shelled at these games, and which makes everybody sad. So Henry and his friends are sitting in the bleacher bum seats, and a home run gets hit out there, and it's a baseball tradition that when a home run gets hit, you throw the ball back. And so knowing that they're on film, Henry and his friends have a home run ball that was hit out there. And Henry picks up the ball and throws a frozen rope from center field at Wrigley Field all the way to home plate. So the owner of this team, who's planning on uh, giving this to his nephew, and his nephew's kind of the greedy uh, businessman type. He's played by Dan Hedaya, which I remember from A Night at the Roxbury. Yes. Um, But... They need to sell out every game to keep the franchise going. And when they see this happen, uh, Dan Hedaya starts freaking out and he's like, get me that arm. They do want him on the team, especially when they find out that everybody's saying this is just a little 12-year-old boy who did this. All he sees is dollar signs like, oh my god, a kid threw a ball like that? If you put him on the mound, because there is no age restriction in baseball, so all they see is dollar signs, they're like, let's put him on the team. Yeah, so they think Henry is this miracle needed to, to save the team, to keep the franchise going. So they want Chet to basically mentor him or train him? Let, just to back up a little bit, so they go out to find Henry and the stepfather, or not the stepfather, the boyfriend to Henry's mom sees Henry throwing the ball, and he calls the Cubs and says he's here and they end up signing him to a contract and so henry goes out for his first game 
And of course, it's a sellout crowd. Everybody wants to see this 12-year-old boy pitching for the Chicago Cubs. He throws, by the way, 101, 103 miles an hour. 103, I think, is what he topped out at. So yeah, after this weird press conference where everyone's just badgering him, like, prove it, prove you can fucking throw, boy. He's like, yeah, we'll see you at the game. Yeah, because they want people to get there. And sure enough, the whole place is like packed. Yeah. Stole sold out arena almost. And so they put Henry in the game, much to the chagrin of every player. I think he comes in to replace Chet Stedman, which is even more perfect. Um, and Henry has a pretty terrible outing. He ends up, uh, I think, hitting someone. He throws all over the place. It's not good. So that's when the Cubs decide, like, Chet Stedman, you are going to teach Henry how to play baseball. Okay. Now, I feel like... I do have to step back because there's a bunch of stuff that happens in that first game that I want to touch on. First of which is how the crowd turns on Chet and is pretty much everyone shouting, we want Henry, before they even know who the kid really is. They just they, they just know that a kid is going to be playing. They're all shouting, we want Henry. We're also introduced to Daniel Stern, who is the pitching coach, okay? And he is choking down sunflower seeds. His mouth is full of hundreds of sunflower yeah. seeds. He, the, the whole idea behind this character is that he was beamed in the head well, he was a player, and now he's just kind of crazy. So he's all over the place. There's also, I was wondering, budgetary constraints. Uh, $10 million isn't a whole bunch, but they seem to shoot a lot of these scenes um, with a half of a full stadium because we were noticing shots where there'd be zero people in the bleachers if it was a close-up, and then if it was a wide, like they'd have a bunch of people there. Yeah. Thomasy and Nicholas, every facial expression he gives in this is times 10 the normal expression you'd have for such an occurrence. Yeah. Like, all right, kid, you're in. And he just, you know, quick zoom up to his face. He's like, a gap to the, like, literally wide-eyed and, like, (laughs) it's ridiculous. But we're also introduced to this baseball player who's who comes back in at the end of this he's kind of this big burly guy on on the opposite team of which and he starts off by being like hey kid where's your mommy this one's good and then he hits a home run off of henry and that's henry's first outing is that you know he gets a home run hit off him in the first pitch and then he like he can't control it so that is when they finally do ask chet hey you need to step up and teach this kid how to pitch and Chet, being the wily vet that he is, is not happy about this. Of course not. Why would he? And, and so this, for my first time seeing this, I was confused and a little angered at how long it takes for Henry to be good. Like, I thought after, like, the first, once they had his whole, like, arm, rubber band arm injury or whatever, that, you know, I knew it was going to be a slow process. That's kind of what you want to see in an underdog story. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's like the first two or three games. He's fucking just terrible. Well, and what's funny is that you think there's going to be, like, this montage of Henry mm-hmm. learning. It doesn't happen. There's barely any training in this They movie. just go into the next game. He's suddenly better. Like, he suddenly throws like a, a ground ball double play and then strikes out like the next like five guys like suddenly he's good again yeah and i would say probably for the next 40 minutes the movie is him kind of getting a little better or, or meeting more of his teammates and kind of i guess his training ish and then also flashing back to this weird boat side plot with yeah. his friends and then life at home i mean it's him adjusting to fame the fact that he's easily the most famous person on the planet right now um, and his life at home, you know, his friends are a little, you know, they don't like that. They don't see Henry as much anymore. They're in school, but they, uh, and he starts to talk to Becky a little bit more, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, um, and of course his mom is still dating 
the the boyfriend who has become Henry's manager. Yeah, so he's trying to get contracts left and right for advertisements. There's one for Pepsi that he's trying to sign. And uh, Henry, by the way, the first day of practice gets fined $500 for showing up late. Mm-hmm. And he's like, $500? That's like six years of allowance. Which, which someone actually did the calculations on IMDb, meaning that he would make like a dollar fifty for six years a yeah, week. of course. <laughs> of course. So, yeah, now the family starts uh, going to the games to watch Henry, and the mom's very nervous while watching him. You know, rightfully so. It's her baby boy on the mound. And that's when Stedman kind of starts putting the moves on Henry's mom. Yeah, so Stedman, uh, while all of this is happening, has become a bit more of a mentor for him. And he's, you know, he's coming down to Henry's level. But he also meets his mom, and they are clicking, man, just almost instantly. I remember the first scene you saw him, you looked at me and said, tell me Stedman gets with Henry's mom. I was going to say, it's one of those things that you see in a movie that you're like, no, that's too obvious. They wouldn't go that route. Um, it, it almost makes no sense for their their, their characters to even interact, but... Lo and behold, man. Lo and behold, it happens. They might, there might be a happily ever after, after all. <laughs> so one of the lines I have written down here is, every line Stern gives is infuriating. Yes. <laughs> so he he's doing something in this movie that I can't describe. He's going so over the top with his comedic performance. There is one kind of funny part, I will admit, is when they're out on the road, they're in the hotel room, and he gets caught in between the two hotel room doors in between his room and uh, Henry's. Ends up missing like six games or something (laughs) like that. Um, So it's funny, too, that you mentioned like you just don't really understand what he's doing in this movie. Um, And this is where I think I know why he decided to do this movie. It's he very clearly was like, I would like to direct a baseball movie Mm -hmm. because as over the top and ridiculous and stupid as his character is, if you ask a lot of people who grew up playing baseball, a lot of people know a coach like that. Well, you were also mentioning that you took some of this lingo, some of these lines of dialogue, and you use them in your your little league career, right? Oh, yeah. Like (laughs) growing up, even just like. At maybe even like older than Little League when we were playing him games he has this scene he, later in the movie he has this line where he's like just like ramming a fence and he's like let's play some ball let's play some ball and we used to do that like so it you know it it's a movie I think that he tried to connect a little bit more with baseball fans than he did with a wider audience and to a degree I think he does that so the first game that they finally win, uh, Henry gets on base. He actually he doesn't hit. He it's just a ball, right? Like he winds up walking to base. He's so small that the pitcher on the mound can't find the strike zone. Strike zone because mm-hmm. the strike zone is typically from your knees to just below your chest. Oh, okay. Um, and but he can't hit it because Henry's so small. It's you know like a foot high. Yeah, he's a tiny little baby yeah. man. He's a tiny little baby boy. So he ends up walking, and he's on the bases, and he does this stupid thing that just, oh, in fury, you were getting really mad getting at this I was so scene. angry. He was acting like a total chode. He'd keep, like, tiptoeing away from the base and then being like, oh, like where's your na, body? Na, 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 na. Actual line. <laughs> and yeah, so he's just pissing the pitcher off, and but he winds up, they, they wind up winning that game, though, right? Yeah, they win the game. The, the Cubs are doing way better. Um, you can tell because there's this montage of like, oh, you know, the Cubs are winning games and everybody loves them. And is this happy like jazz music playing. And this is when this weird like father-son relationship starts developing between Stedman and Henry. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been bonding on the plane rides to games. Um, and then when they're coming home, like 
the media swarms Henry and Chet rushes him and his mother out to a limo. And that's when they're, this is the creepiest thing. So he rushes them out to the limo to escape the media. And then they're driving home. And Henry's like, can I mix you guys a drink or something? Yeah. And he just pours him club soda. But but it's so weird. Like, he's trying to get Yeah, he puts on, up. like, romantic music. I like this music. I like this music. Do you guys want some club soda? You guys are sweet. He's trying to get Chet and his mom to hook up. But it's almost like he's trying to do it while he's in the limo with them. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what's happening here, dude. Yeah. So Jack, the uh, boy, the mother's boyfriend, is getting him all these gigs. One of which is a Diet Pepsi commercial in which he's lip syncing to some sort of piano melody while all these sexy stripper dancers are like dancing all over him, and they yell cut or whatever. And the director's like, "Can you do it more sexy?" Yeah, asking a 12-year-old boy to be sexier. It's Diet Pepsi. I don't yeah, even know what's Meanwhile, sexy there's, like, these half-naked showgirls, like, dancing around him, too. It is... It's... <laughs> there's two trains of thought when it comes to this scene, which is, oh, it's a look on how the media treats athletes yep. and commercializes people. Yeah. Or you can look at it as a really terrible attempt to sexualize a little boy. <laughs> So then we get a little more friends fighting over this boat that they're trying to build. Yep. You know, you really get the problems put back into perspective for a young boy. Like, he's missing out on his childhood of going to school and hanging with friends and building yeah. this trash boat. I mean, this is super overwhelming. Major League Baseball is a grind. It's 162 games over the course of a season. It takes almost half a year. It's just, it's an everyday thing, and you can't expect the 12-year-old still in middle school to keep doing it. And also, Jack, the boyfriend, uh, the mom's boyfriend, has noticed that Henry's mom has started taking to Chet Stedman a little bit. How could you not with that stash? And so he decides, in conjunction with uh, the nephew of the son, or the nephew of the owner, um, they both together decide to sell Henry's contract to the New York Yankees and doesn't tell the mom. Tricks her into signing the contract. Yeah. Doesn't tell anybody. So this is when everything's starting to fall apart. Henry is struggling with the fact that he's fighting with his friends and not really living his childhood. And Chet Stedman is also told because he's so old and the boyfriend wants Chet Stedman out of the picture altogether they tell him we're not re-signing you you're going to sit the rest of the season and then you're going to we're cutting you from the the Chicago Cubs and so everybody's you know just really sad and then they go home and the <laughs> the boyfriend wants Henry to go to a commercial shoot and Henry's like I'm not going and this is when he starts getting abusive he like grabs Henry <laughs> he's like you're going to this I own you your father was a bum he walked out on you and your mom I know what is the story with this kid's dad I want to know more so this is something that we missed um the whole thing that Henry's mom tells Henry is that his dad was a pro baseball player. He's a great baseball player. And, uh, you know, they don't tell you why he's gone. Maybe he died. So, But it turns out to be true that Henry's dad did walk out on Henry's mom and Henry. And so the boyfriend gets kicked out of the house because Henry mom, Henry's mom literally throws him out of she the house. She punches him in the face. Punches too, him in the face and ass. kicks him out of the house. Um and then things start to settle down a little bit. It is literally just like that, a quick 180. Like, Henry meets up with his friends. They have a great 
forgiving boat montage. Trash boat excursion. Trash yeah, boat. With like carbon monoxide poisoning. They're all they getting because there's this weird motor yeah. on there that's spilling out tons of toxic yeah, fumes. <laughs> they, get, they pick up a couple of chicks. Uh, Becky and him are looking longingly in each other's eyes. And that's the last you hear of Becky. That is, yeah. It's so the last you hear of Becky. It's the division championship, my friend. And, uh, you know, Henry wants to win it. This is, the, according to him, his last game uh, from the owner's perspective because the owner believes that he's getting sold to the Yankees, right? Yeah. Well, so Henry goes in and he talks to the owner because the owner, remember, the owner's nephew was the one who sold Henry to the Yankees. Right. The owner doesn't know that. He's also played by the old guy from Home Alone 2. That's true. Turtle he is. doves. He guy. is. Um, so Henry goes into the owner's box. It's the division championship game or the last game, and they need they need to win it to win the division. So Henry goes in and tells the owner, this is going to be my last game. You know, I love pitching for the Cubs. I love playing baseball, but I want to be a kid. And that's when it's revealed that he asks him, why'd you sell me to the Cubs? And the owner goes, I didn't do that. And then they look and they know, dude, it was the bad guy. Yeah, who later is shown uh, selling pretzels and popcorn and, and, hot, and dogs. hot dogs yeah. yes, in the stadium. Demoted. Definite demotion. So, division championship, uh, Gary Busey, he's on the mound first, right? And he wants to pitch one more. He wants to give himself, you know, one yeah, last so, game. Well, he's not. Ex- he was told that he was going to sit the game, and then they end up starting him. That's right. And he pitches one of the games of his life. I mean, he's just he's pitching on fire. He's striking a lot of dudes out. He's the old rocket because you know he's got he's refound his love for the game. He's not worried about his arm as much anymore. Um, Henry's mom is pretty cute. Oh yeah, he wants to throw one. He for wants her. to throw one for her, dude. I'm a sucker for these plot points in sports movies. These are my favorite parts when. The character puts literally all of it out there, and they know this is my last game. I'm going to put every single thing I yeah. have out there. Dude, I, I can't help yeah. but get emotional about that. You know what I mean? Oh, like, it just is. Sentimental, it, it, you know what it's I mean? weird because this feels like it's the climax of the movie, and it should be, but Gary Busey's not the main character, so it's clearly not. But it does kind of just wrap up Gary Busey's plot line. Yeah. It's, and it's very drawn out and long, but it, you like it because it is very inspirational. Um, so his arm starts to hurt him. And the coach is like, I'm going to take you out. And he's like, no, give me, give me one, one more. more. And it's one of those things, again, like, again, in movies, the logic makes no sense because he's whispering on a mound in the center of the field to his coach. You just assume <laughs> yeah. you just assume they read lips or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's stirring, dude. It's good. I yeah, like this so part he throws he throws one more pitch and completely blows out his arm um, like he was nervous he would do. But he does it anyway. And now it's time for Henry to come in. So Henry comes in and he does his Henry Rowan Gardner thing. He's striking dudes out. This only like there's only like four scenes where Henry pitches by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's like four or five scenes in the entire movie where Henry pitches. You just take it on faith that Henry is like this superstar pitcher. But when he's going out for uh some of these last hits, uh we get the exact same composition, the exact same shot of this ball in the center of the frame and as he's running toward it you think I told, I said out loud, like, if he slips on this ball and is reverted back to his shittier self, I'm going to fucking lose it. I'm yep. going to lose it. And, and that's exactly what happens. Later, it's the same comically high fall. Like, um, how can, I'll buy it once. I'll buy it once. How do you even do this twice on purpose? I, like, it's impossible. It impossible. seems, again, it just seems too easy. Stern goes full steam ahead, does it anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, he slips on it. Falls right on the exact same spot in his shoulder, and he, he stands up, and he doesn't hear the weird elastic band sounds anymore, and he realizes, holy shit. My gift is gone. My gift's gone. I can't I, throw the I ball. can't do this. So 
uh, this we get we cannot go into details about this. It's too long and convoluted nope. and too much baseball explaining. Um, essentially, they break several rules in baseball. They're cheating, straight out cheating. Yeah. Um, but so Henry, you know, tells the team like my arm doesn't work anymore. So they come out with all these plans. They end up getting two outs of the three they need, and up steps the big guy from earlier in the in the movie where's your mommy where's your mommy kid the guy who hit a home run off him his first at bat and you can't pitch around him um so he has to throw to him and for some reason the catcher's like he can't hit your fastball but it's like the catcher knows he can't throw hard yeah so why is he telling him to like hey throw it right down the middle for this guy (laughs) like bad baseball strategy so during his last pitch pretty much um he looks out into the crowd and he sees his mom Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he makes this connection that it wasn't the dad who liked baseball or whatever, or was good at baseball. It was, it was his mom. mom all along. It was his mom. And so she's like, float it. And so he throws it underhand like a softball player would. Yeah. And the guy misses. But how does he understand that it's, oh, the size of the glove? It's his glove, his mom's glove that he's been using. Well, the whole yeah. Time, right? He's been using what he thinks is his dad's glove. It turns out to be his mom. And for some reason, this is like the moment where he notices the tape on it is coming loose. Yeah. And he pulls back the tape, and it's his mom's name. It says, fuck you. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's just standing there like, what? Whoa, mom, not the motivation. Rookie of the year. Rookie. <laughs> All right, but back to reality. It's his mom's name. And so his mom's like, float it. So he underhands it, and the guy swings and misses entirely. And they win, and they're celebrating, and, and they're happy. Just crying on the ground. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, his fists and yeah, legs like temper on the tantrum. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can tell you, not a single pro athlete has ever lost a game like that and done what that man did. You would be ostracized from the sport. Mm-hmm. Never spoken to again. So, you know, they win. Cut back to Henry playing right field in Little League, making the catch that he didn't make earlier in the year. Yep. And we get. I, it's the funniest fucking shot of the movie. I so, laughed yep. so hard. So they're I all so hard. So they're all celebrating. Everybody's giving the great, you know, '90s like thumbs up and smiles. Uh, Gary Busey's on the sideline. He's the new little league coach, and he's, he's totally banging involved the mom. in their life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so just this amazing shot. Do you want to explain, or you want me to do? It? I mean, so yeah, they're all in huddle mode. They're all like, "Good job, Henry." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry looks up to the camera, uh, like the quickest snap of his head, where his mouth's still agape, missing tooth. He quickly snaps his head up and then shoots his hand right into the camera with the World Series ring right in focus. And says, "Yeah!" yeah! <laughs> and then boom, cut to black. Rookie of the year. That's rookie of the year. I mean, do we need to explain it anymore? Oh, man. So. Uh, Brandon, I'm uh, I'm curious to know, as someone who watched this with fresh eyes, your thoughts on Rookie of the Year. Oh, man. It's got some things I enjoyed. Uh, a few of the actors. I'm a huge John Candy fan. Mm-hmm. I love Gary Busey. The kid actor, uh, for being as <laughs> animated and over-exaggerating as much as he is doing... For a child's performance, I mean, he's definitely going in our tournament for terrible male protagonist. Oh, yeah. He's not a, his character is fine, and he's a decent enough actor, but some of the shit this kid does is just grating. It, 
It is. And it's funny because I was thinking that, too, when we were watching it, that a lot of the times I've given my stance on child actors. I think they're terrible. I really do. <laughs> like, I've never seen a lot of child actors, but he is actually perfect yeah. for th- exactly that role. He's awkward. He's a little bumbling and clumsy, and he plays it off really well. I'm actually very surprised with how well he actually does in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's fairly charismatic for a young actor. Like, he's, he's not bad. So what else about this movie? You like the plot? The, see, yeah, the, the plot and and I would say the pacing of the movie um, are kind of where it, it hits it's a wall for me. Like the plot is just too outlandish. Where no, like it's just nothing's explained. And again, maybe as a kid I would have been able to digest it a little easier or been able to forgive or suspend my disbelief for so much. But there's a there's a line between like silly and just straight like just dumb just yeah. dumb and like not explained and that's what was like but again i kind of found it a little endearing um in, in the baseball film lover in me because i i love a lot of these a lot of those movies you mentioned earlier and mm-hmm. and baseball movies in general movies about underdogs sports comedies family comedies like it's kind of in my wheelhouse it's just not as good as i wanted it to be but yeah. in the, but it's not as bad as i expected it to be <laughs> right so as someone who loved this movie growing up and baseball fan baseball player um rewatching it for the first time in i say probably a couple of years i probably caught it a few years ago if but i wouldn't have remembered it you now own it on dvd i now own it on dvd bastard. and i'm so excited um <laughs> just based on the way that we watch these movies there is something to it that kind of hurts a little bit to watch this just knowing that it's like you know it's it's so poorly made in terms of plot in terms of forecasting plot and just it's it's goofy it's weird but i will say when i look think of the movies that were coming out around that time it's no goofier than angels in the outfield Agreed. It's no goofier than The Sandlot. I think The Sandlot's a better film. And I think The Sandlot. Little, I think The Sandlot is a far better film. But and you're it's right. more realistic, and that's more of like a kids' days of summer. But and it's no goofier than uh, Little Big League, which we <laughs> talked about <laughs> yeah. earlier. Um, so I think it's just kind of right in that wheelhouse of this is what they were making back then. Mm-hmm. And I'd say if I were to rank those four movies, I you know it maybe comes in second for me. Okay. Over. Angels in the Outfield and Little Big League. See, again, yeah, I haven't seen... I've never seen Little Big League, and it's been so long since I've seen Angels in the Outfield. I recently watched The Sandlot, though, actually, um, just for my Sandlot's own Sandlot's great and movie. It's a, it's it a really, really good is. movie, yeah. That holds up. Yeah. This one doesn't... It just doesn't hold up, I think, to uh, the standards of family films that we're getting today. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people can... You can chalk it up to, you know, well, it's a kid's movie. You can't judge it on that merit. And it's like, well, you kind of It can. feels like <laughs> an ultra-high-budget Disney Channel movie. Yes, I'll agree with that. It, it yeah. does. There's something kind of made for TV esque about it. Um, other than the fact that it's got some good actors and, yeah. and somehow Daniel Stern made this. I don't. I don't understand. He must have funded most of this himself. He so I'm to. curious what 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 do you give this, Zach? Looking so, back, one on a hundred. So you said it was a 39 overall on Rotten it's got Tomatoes. 39 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, and me saying that I thought my nostalgia might carry over in this movie. I you know what it it really didn't which is kind of a bummer for me. I still enjoyed it. I had fun. But again, in that sense that we watch a lot of these movies and we have fun laughing at it. Yes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say probably a 30 overall. Uh, As someone who never saw this movie before, uh, 
I think I'll have to give it. I'm going to say a 20. I there are there are like I said that moment with uh, Gary Busey throwing his arm out. Um, there's a lot of those sports cliches that they they play into that um, aren't that bad. And a lot of the characterizations of of these people they're they're fairly well drawn like you you get everything that you expect out of these characters i guess without getting their whole backstory or whatnot like it's it's a serviceable family comedy from the 90s i think with um just a little more <laughs> a little more like recognition of reality or, or or anything like that like i can only suspend it so far when when i believe free willy like i believe that shit and somehow you know, this couldn't make me believe as much in this kid's arm-throwing ability. And I think that's because the rules kind of change every once in a while. They don't really uh, commit to the premise wholeheartedly because they kind of skirt around it. And it's almost like they address it once, like, this is this crazy ability he has. But it's not something that they they feel really confident about, I think. Yeah. I think even the filmmakers were like, this is fucking crazy. We just got to gloss over it quickly. Well, so one thing that I will say before we close out... Um, and I know we've joked about this throughout the whole the whole podcast, but I think this movie genuinely suffers from a first time director. Probably Daniel yeah. Stern. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very loose, um, it's disjointed. There's a lot of things that are sloppy about it. I mean, the shots where they're doing close ups and the stadium's clearly empty. Yeah, very yeah. sloppy. Yep. And it's just it it suffers from a lot of that. I think if you put this in the hands of even a moderately better filmmaker it's just moderately better i think it's a better movie in general i'm not saying it's good i'm not saying that the plot probably holds up from director to director but i think in general it becomes a more enjoyable movie if you have a more experienced person at the wheel i'm sure the mistakes would certainly be less clunky like like that whole scene where he's falling around fumbling for the baseball it's laughable not the way they're intending it it's just laughable in the staging of it and how it's choreographed like it's i mean it's very it's very slapstick which is what daniel stern at that point was building his career on sure sure and i saw it would make sense that they would put something like that in it not that it made it good that's just maybe an explanation agreed agreed well so 1993's rookie of the year i'm glad i watched it man thank you for this experience you're welcome (laughs) so next week we're gonna go back into we've both seen these movies so 1999's wild wild west and a lot of people have been clamoring for this movie wow we've been talking about doing this movie and oh my god Uh, yeah. Tune in next week. It's going to be a doozy of an episode. (laughs) It will be a doozy for sure. Oh, man. Uh, Thank you for everyone who's been listening and subscribing recently. We've gotten some new uh, listeners, some new subscribers, so that's pretty cool, pretty exciting. Yeah, continue to listen to us. Uh, You can find us on iTunes by searching Nostalgia Be Damn. We're also on a couple of other podcasting applications uh, that you can find in the Google Play Store and iTunes Store. And uh, you can also check us out at uh, nbd.podbean.com, where we are hosted um and that's it i mean just keep listening keep subscribing commenting tell us what you'd like to hear november is listener request month so we're getting excited for that taking all opinions um and that's it i think uh just want to address this really quick before we uh get off here um a lot of people have been asking me what was the deal with last week when I was just kind of beating around the bush after some questions. As you know, I am attending Harvard Law School to better prepare ourselves for an upcoming lawsuit with the network that has dropped us and picked us up and dropped us and picked us up. Um, and I mentioned that there was a little bit of hazing last uh, week. And you know what? Um, the review board's looking into it. Uh, 
Garth is a nice guy. I think he's really cool. I just think he overstepped the bounds a little bit. I'm still friends with him. Whatever the board says, the board says. We're going to move on from it. It doesn't matter. I'm just focused on getting my degree so we can get ourselves back on the network. Is this not a years-long process, or am I just very naive in how law school works? No, I'll probably have my degree in a couple weeks. Don't worry about it. A couple of weeks. Maybe. Maybe even sooner. I feel like I don't even know if you're going, to be honest. Don't even worry about it. I won't. And Garth is your roommate, or is he just your frat brother? No, he's a frat brother. Potential frat, frat brother? Have you? Have you? Actually oh no, I pledge. I pledge. They had to let me in after, after the, the incidents. Yeah, <laughs> okay, the incidents yeah, last no, week. No, Luke sense. is my roommate, and uh, Luke's a bit of a wet towel. He's a nice kid, but just get away from me. You know. Okay. Wild Wild West next week. Uh, wiki Wiki Wild Wiki Wild Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West. Yeah, that's next week. I'm so excited. I am too. So tune in. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Go Cubs go. <laughs> oh, man. Baseball season's underway. Well, you better get ready.